part of the propaganda of Christianity uh, after they took over all the pagan religions and it dominated was to uh, demonize the Greek gods and turn them into stories that never existed. You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth, and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, the spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11. As always, I am blessed and honored to be bringing you some amazing conversation. But before I do that, I do have some important announcements. First... If you didn't catch last week's episode about the Small Spirits Oracle, please take some time to rewind and go listen to that episode. The Small Spirits Oracle deck is a magical, beautiful, life-changing project that I've been working on for like almost a year now. And the Kickstarter is currently live and ready to be backed by amazing humans like yourself. So as of last night, we were just past the halfway mark, and I'm really depending on my amazing supporters like you to get the word out. So please make sure that you check out the Kickstarter, back it if you're interested, or even just share with some friends and family. It would mean the world to me. Okay, second thing. And this is totally a personal announcement, and it's just something that I really want to say out loud to the world. I am so excited that by the launch of episode 13, I will be living my best full-time diviner life. That's right, this magical human will no longer have a muggle job and it will be fully dedicated to bringing you more beautiful work, more of the time. So if you have requests, feedback, or cool things that you'd like to see happen here on the podcast or maybe over on my website at thedivinerlife.com, please let me know. Okay, so now back to the show. Today I have George Lizos, who is a powerhouse of a light worker. And I am super excited because I've been watching George's success for a very long time. And so I'm really honored to be bringing you the first in a double feature of George's episodes. So a bit about George. George Lizos is a spiritual teacher and an intuitive. He is the host of the Lit Up Lightworkers podcast. And he is the author of two books, Be the Guru and his newest book, Lightworkers Gotta Work. George is also the co-creator of a new healing modality with Hay House author Callista called Elemental Healing, but we're going to talk more about that next week. George helps lightworkers to find their life purpose and to work their light in real, palpable ways to create positive change in the world. He holds bachelor's and master's degrees in metaphysical sciences, and he's also an ordained priest in Hellenic polytheism. So what is Hellenic polytheism, you ask? And I'm really glad that you're asking that question because in today's episode of Let's Be Omnist, George is going to break down the traditional native religion of Greece known as Hellenic polytheism. He's then also going to help us understand the important differences between the mythology and the theology of Hellenism because people often get them confused. So grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of whatever you'd like because in the spirit of truth and honesty, Here's my first conversation with George. So, George, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you on Let's Be Omnist. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me, Michael. It is so great to be here. I'm doing fabulous. How about you? I am doing really, really well. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) I've been looking forward to talking to you. You are such a 
bright light in the community. And I know that you have so much to share. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to be here with you. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, So before we dive into everything that I want to talk to you about, I want to give the listeners an opportunity to get to know you. So we are going to play a quick game of two truths and a lie. Mm -hmm. Okay. So whenever you're ready, go ahead and tell me your two truths, one lie, and I will do my best to figure it out. Okay. So I will tell you, first thing is that I met Britney Spears. The second one is that I was a participant in the X Factor. Which one is the lie? I'm going to say, ooh, I'm going to say that you met Britney Spears. Wrong! I never met Britney Spears, sadly, but I was a participant on the X Factor. That is so crazy. Yes, indeed. It it was a Greek X Factor, and it was when I was 19 years old, and my dream was to become a singer and, yeah, go have an international career. Uh, It didn't work out. I was too classical from them. I was classically trained as a singer. So I went there with my operas, and that was not the look they were going for. (laughs) But it worked out eventually because my purpose was to be a spiritual teacher. Yeah, I mean, I'm... As much as it's sad to say, like, I'm happy that's not the path that you took because we definitely need you where you are. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, So speaking of which, one of the many titles that I read off in your bio for the listeners was that you are an ordained priest to Hellenic polytheism. Can you explain to the listeners what that means? Yes, I will explain briefly, and then I'm going to tell you a cool story about how this happened. Yes. So Hellenic polytheism is the indigenous religion, pagan religion, of Greece, of ancient Greece. So it is a religion that all the ancient Greeks used to believe in. Many people know of the 12 gods of Olympus, Zeus, Aphrodite, Apollo, Hermes, um, Hades, all those different gods, and there are so many more thousand gods. So the ancient Greeks saw the gods are different aspects and energies and functions of nature and the universe. And they personified those functions of the universe as gods, as people, as uh, entities. So I'm a priest to the continuation of that religion that still continues and has continued underground for so many years until this very day. Now, I want to tell you a little story because I was not always a priest to Hellenic polytheism. I grew up Christian, then I transitioned to New Age, and then it was only three years ago that I made the shift to paganism. And the story is actually very interesting because it started a few years ago while I was working a full-time job in London and at the same time working my own part-time job as a spiritual teacher part-time. So, you know, when you're first starting out a business, you need to juggle both jobs. You need to have your muggle job, and then you need to have your, your, your woo-woo job on the side until you build up enough momentum. So that's what I've been doing. So for three years, my schedule involved waking up at um, 9 a.m., going to work 9 to 5, coming home by 7, then working on my own business from 7 p.m. until midnight and going to sleep and doing the same thing. So three years in, I ended up becoming so fatigued, so exhausted. My body was aching. I had gained 15 kilos. I had, um, I grew a very serious case of eczema and psoriasis on my face and on my body. I, now in retrospect, I know I was mildly depressed. 
So I had been overworking my masculine energy, and that has been a constant struggle to, uh, through my life. Growing up in Cyprus, a very conservative community, growing up as gay at a time when homosexuality was considered to be a criminal offense was not the easiest way for me growing up. All the bullying I went through up until the point that at some level, when I was 15 years old, I thought of taking my own life and I almost did it. So I've had a history of abusing my masculine energy and, and rejecting my feminine energy. And even though I saved myself early on by not abusing my masculine energy and taking away my life, and I learned to embrace the feminine aspect of me, which was embodied in my homosexuality, even though I thought I, I had healed that, there it was, years later, still keeping me in a prison, a self-inflicted prison, actually, where I was still abusing masculine energy by overworking myself. So what I did, I'm like, okay, after my third attempt of um, my, my third um, exhaustion uh, and fatigue um, event that I had, well, I woke up one morning and I couldn't move, basically. I couldn't get out of the bed. I'm like, okay, something needs to change. So I went to Glastonbury. Glastonbury is a very magical town in the UK. Uh, I'm sure you know it. I can see you smile. I have so heard many, so many people talk about it. I yes, love it. and I'm sure many of the listeners have heard of Glastonbury as well. If you haven't, everybody listening, go check it out. It's Hogwarts in, in real life. Okay, <laughs> And it's basically the place I always went to communicate with my guides to let go a little bit. So during those three years, whenever I would have a past life regression, I would see myself as a prostitute. And I'm like, what's going on? with all the prostitute past lives. Mm. And I couldn't resolve it myself because I was too like subconscious about it. But I went to Glastonbury and I worked with Atasha Fives, who is the author of a book called Magical Past Lives, published by Hay House. The late Atasha Fives, she sadly passed away this summer. She guided me through a regression to the first lifetime that I was a prostitute. And basically what happened was that... Um, I, went, I was pregnant with one of my clients, and when he found out, he stabbed me in the womb and killed the baby. And from that point forward, I made a karmic vow to keep rejecting my feminine energy and to only um, lead and live my life with masculine energy. So lifetime after lifetime, I kept um, incarnating as a prostitute so that I would suppress my feminine energy and only use my masculine energy. In this lifetime, I always killed my, my feminine energy when I was younger, and it kept killing me later on in my life while exhausting myself. Again, suppressing feminine energy and living my life purely out of masculine energy, taking action, moving forward, the hustle culture. Right. So right after the regression, we, she guided me through some healing process. I healed things, and I got out, out of the regression, tears flowing down my cheeks. And I'm like, oh, my God. I need to learn to embrace my, the divine feminine. So right across the street uh, from her house was the goddess temple of Glastonbury, where they train people to become priests and priestesses to the goddess. Priests mm. and priestesses to Avalon, where they work with the Celtic goddesses, specifically, just the divine feminine. So I just go in there and I talk to the goddess, to the priestess there. I'm like, oh my God, so and so happened. I got out of the regression. I know I have to connect to the divine feminine. Can I train with you? And she took the time to explain to me all about their training program and the Celtic goddesses. And although I love the Celtic goddesses and I resonate with them, 
I am not a Celt. <laughs> that's not my history. That's not my culture. I'm Greek. Right. And I'm like, okay, I wonder if I can find the equivalent trading to the Greek pantheon, the Greek culture. So I went home that same day. I go online and I Google uh, Hellenic priesthood training. And there you have it, their first ever training happening the following month in Athens, Greece. <laughs> now, short tangent here, they have been working underground for the past um, many years, actually, because the Greek religion, the Christian religion, was very against them, and the government was against them, and they wouldn't recognize them as an official religion. So they finally got their acceptance at that point as an official religion, and therefore they were holding their first official priesthood training. Long story short, I booked it, and um, I went there, I did my training, I became a certified uh, priest, uh, and as soon as I got out of, out of the regression, the epiphany, another epiphany that I had was, quit your job, go self-employed, and move back to Cyprus. And this epiphany, in combination with my priesthood training, I can see now in retrospect how it was all aligned to help me embrace the divine feminine. Now, because, I mean, three years later, I've moved back to Cyprus, I've gone <laughs> self-employed, my life is balanced, I no longer exhaust myself, I, my spiritual practice takes three hours every morning, aka feminine energy to, to the maximum. <laughs> yeah. I get to create my, my own schedule. So I found my balance. I, the eczema is gone. The psoriasis is gone. I've lost 15 kilos. I feel so much happier. But what I realized as part of the training was it was not about the divine feminine only. In fact, they didn't teach about just connecting the divine feminine. It was all about the balance of both the feminine and the masculine. They taught us that to create the altar with the different statues of the gods and goddesses, you had to have a feminine statue and a male statue because each of the Greek gods and goddesses, they have their pair. Mm -hmm. And that's an energetic pair. Even, for example, Aphrodite has her male equivalent, which is Aphroditus, which is the god through which hermaphrodite came from is, oh, is right right do you get, get the connection yeah so every single god or goddess has their own um opposite gender to create this balance this divine balance between the divine feminine and the divine masculine and basically the story i've just told you that's the premise of my second book that's coming out in, in june 4th lightworkers gotta work which is yes it's all about connecting the divine feminine to nurture our light but unless we work our light and therefore bring in the divine masculine as well, mm. then are we really light workers or are we light chillers? Because the world ain't going to change sitting in meditation pillows all day long. Yeah. The world changes when light workers not just know their light, not just feel their light, but express their light into this physical world, take action, do podcasts, write mm. books, get out of their comfort zone and express their light in physical action steps into the world. So you see how the entire path led me to this realization of it's not one or the other, it's embracing both the feminine and the masculine. Because you know, Michael, I feel that in the spiritual community right now, there is so much attention given the divine feminine. I mean, rightfully so, because it has been suppressed for 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. That's when 
the time during which patriarchy has been in operation and dominant. So it makes perfect sense for the divine feminine to like rise right now. And it's rising and we've done a great amount of work and there is still so much more work we need to do. But let's not vilify the masculine. Right. Let's not say that the divine masculine is a bad guy and realize the way the divine masculine has been abused. That is a bad guy. That is a problem. And it's our job as light workers to teach the world and ourselves how to use that masculine energy in a way that supports the rise of the divine feminine and in a way that creates real change into the world. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That's a topic that I find is being discussed quite a lot lately. Yeah. Um, and people always talk about how it's kind of a pendulum swing and we've yes. been swinging to the masculine for a very long time and how it'll swing back to the feminine. And what I think is interesting about what you say about the masculine and not vilifying him and making sure that we don't abuse his power, but instead work with it. I think that's what's going to really prevent that pendulum swing from going totally the opposite direction is if you can kind of ahead of time pump in some of that divine masculine that's good and useful and necessary. Um, 100%. And if you see anything in the world, history, politics, uh, it's all polarized. We, we, we choose to polarize ourselves. We either distract the system or create the system. I mean, if you see the history of, uh, of life on Earth, we've been destroying our knowledge and recreating it over and over again. <laughs> you yeah. mean, look at Atlantis. I know it's not history, but I mean, for people like us, it is. Uh, <laughs> look at Atlantis. It, it was uh, such a high. We had so much knowledge. We self-destructed <laughs> and we started all over again. Before Atlantis, it was Lemuria. Same old story. Look at politics. You're either a Republican or you're a Democrat. You're either right or you're left. What happened to the freaking balance? <laughs> <laughs> What happened to economic systems, to life on Earth, to the way we speak to each other, to the way the world works? What happened to it happening in a very balanced way that's not either or, that is both coming together? And I absolutely agree with you that this um, attention to the divine masculine and learning to see it in such um, a balanced way will ensure that the pendulum does not swing to the other side, and we don't create yet another imbalance, such as the, an imbalance of the divine feminine, which is why I was, it was so passionate about, and I was, actually, I was a bit hesitant at the beginning and to, to, to write about that in my book, Lightwork Has Gotta Work, because it's mostly about embracing the divine masculine, finding balance with the divine feminine, and then expressing that into the work, uh, into the world, because there is so much attention even on the divine feminine, I'm like, shall I go for it? But then my guides, I could hear the divine voice within me screaming, hell yes, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> That's what the whole book That's is about, right? right? Is go for it. I want to I wanna bring this conversation more into the, uh, like, sh sh like, start a conversation about this topic with people, with the spiritual community. So not to, um, not to tell people how to think or to impose my beliefs on other people, but to trigger questions that will allow people to start thinking about the divine masculine in a different way, in a more healthy way, so we can all find balance. Because we find the balance at a personal level and that extends into the public level as well.
Mm. One of the things that you had mentioned was about like bringing that balance in through the use of like altar spaces and uh, you have always kind of a representation of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. Is that something that you now create in all of your altar spaces? Like what would be an example of that? in your current altar yes. spaces. I mean, you can see, but other people can't, but the, the altar that I have right behind me. So basically, let's, let's start from the basics. What are statues and what are altars and what is the purpose of them? Okay, so paganism 101. <laughs> the gods are, were not humans that incarnated and therefore they don't have a lineage because I've heard stories like that. Oh, yes, I'm a descendant of the Greek gods. No, you're not. Because... <laughs> because they were not humans. And it's not guessing. It's not something I channeled. We read the books of the ancients talking about the religion. They theorized and they tell us <laughs> the facts about how things were. So all the pagan gods, there are different functions of the universe. Okay. So Aphrodite is a function of love and the function of creation. Whether, whenever there is a mingling of energies and the creation of something new, can find the energy of Aphrodite. You can find the energy of Aphrodite in the sprouting of, um, of grass you can, because that's creation, that's giving birth. You can find Aphrodite in sex between all humans and animals. You can find Aphrodite at, at where the, the, the waves crash on the beach and therefore they create some kind of an intermingling of energy over there. So all this creative energy, this function of the universe, that's Aphrodite. That's why all the gods in the, in the ancient hymns, they have so many different epithets, like the golden Aphrodite, the Philomedes Aphrodite, which means genital-loving Aphrodite. So there are so many different ones. So there are as many gods as there are functions in the universe. Ooh. Any function of the universe has a personification of that, that the ancient Greeks and ancient Celts and ancient uh, Norse people, like all around the world, in Australia, the Indians in America, they theorized in different names and they called a different name. So you can find the same kind of energies all around the world um, according to the different um, natural predispositions of different lands. Okay, so it's not just 12 gods. It's thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of gods. There are 12 main gods that um, represent the main functions of the universe. Okay, so whenever we're honoring the gods, we're basically honoring the whole source, but that specific aspect of that source. Mm. So the gods are multiplications of source. It's source multiplying in different ways. Because the love of God, therefore Aphrodite, is not a different aspect of source. <laughs> it is part of source. So it is source. So the gods are not external to source, to the single source. They're part of it. Got okay. it. So we have all these different gods and goddesses which don't have a gender. It's just a way we define their energy as feminine. And as I said, every single god or goddess has their equivalent male or female entity. But we've personified them in the, in, and we created myths about them to make it easier for us to understand them, to connect with their energy, and to be able to experience them in our lives. So the whole point of connecting with the gods and goddesses is to feel their presence within our lives. So whenever, when, when I'm praying or honoring Aphrodite, I'm calling upon love of source, and I want to embody that love, and I want to feel that love, 
and express it either in, in a sexual way or in a mental way and an emotional way and a spiritual way. So mm -hmm. basically that's how it works. So this is what the gods are and the goddesses. Now we have the altar space with the different figurines, with the different statues as a way for us to come closer to the gods, to open a portal of communication between the sacred and the profane. The gods mm. don't need an altar to communicate with us. We need an altar. We need the physical representations because we are physical beings. That makes sense. We are in this physical world. So yes, it's all energy, but we are not just energy. We are physical beings as well. We're energy expressed in a physical form. So we want something physical that to relate to. So if we set up an altar space and we put on different symbolisms, different elements, different um, energies such as candles or essential oils or figurines or crystals, something that helps us embody and ignite that energy of that specific god or goddess, that brings us closer to being able to communicate with that energy. So whenever I create an altar, it has a purpose. My home altar, which is my main altar, It's a very basic altar. I have Hestia, which is the goddess of the hearth, of the house. And then I have a, a couple other gods that I'm currently working with, Apollo and Hermes, which is also known as Mercury. But anybody can create any kind of altar for different purposes and connect with different gods and goddesses to create some magic. And by creating some magic, it's not a spell we're doing. We're just calling upon the energy of a certain god to flow through, through us. We're embodying the energy of a certain God in order to be able to realize what they already know, what they already manifested for us. Mm. It's already manifested. It's just us realizing <laughs> that, that something makes, is manifested. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think so many people think of an altar space as somewhere that you do spell work or you like go through this ornate ritualistic process, but it sounds like you just kind of have it there as... I don't want to call it passive magic, but it's kind of like um, you're allowing the space and you're holding the space for it to say, I acknowledge you. I recognize it. I'm inviting you to show up. Um, Absolutely. Really. That's why the ancient Greeks never prayed to the gods. They honored the gods. So and when you see, when you read the, um, the Orphic hymns, the Orphic hymns, they were ancient um, prayer hymns uh, that they recited in different rituals to the gods. And these are the ones that we recite right now. They're available online for free. You search for Orphic hymns. They were written by Orpheus. Um, they're very beautiful poem, poetic hymns to different gods. Um, they don't ask the gods for help as such. They thank the gods for the help given. So mm -hmm. it's an appreciative prayer. You don't say, oh, Aphrodite, please help me manifest my boyfriend. <laughs> you say, Aphrodite, thank you for the boyfriend that I already have and I already, that's already coming into my life. <laughs> that is so interesting that you say that that's in those um, hymns because that's something that I think is being discussed a lot right now in the New Age yeah. metaphysical community. <laughs> and here it is like, guess what? This isn't a new concept. Do you know what I realized when I started reading the ancient texts? that we are rediscovering what we already knew. It's what I said earlier, that we self-destruct our knowledge and then we re recreate it and rediscover it. But 
everything that I've read by Abraham Higgs, by in A Course in Miracles, and all the popular texts, I'm now reading in ancient texts written like 3,000 years ago. And I'm like, gosh, they had it. Why did we forget <laughs> it? Why did we burn the books <laughs> and so. destroy entire civilizations? For what? <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. Because the whole time you were talking about it, I was like, wait a minute, I've heard this. Are you sure that you studied <laughs> with Hellenic priests and not with Hay House? What are you saying? There you go. <laughs> um, that's really funny. If someone wanted to start working with like a Greek pantheon, is that something that anybody can do, you think? Or is anybody, it... anybody, as long as they relate to it? Because I do a lot of past life work mm-hmm. in, in, in what I teach. <clears throat> And I found that we have connections to both the native religion and spiritual beliefs of our like physical DNA culture. Therefore, for me, that would be Cyprus and Greece. But we also have connections to our past life culture. So, for example, I know that in many past lives, I, was, I lived in, in Spain, which explains why I keep going to Spain every single year and I speak Spanish like for no reason. Like I just love the language and I love going there. And then having done regressions, I realized I had a connection to that place. So I'm attracted to both the ancient religions of that place, of Spain, therefore, as well as Cyprus. So we all have different spiritual DNA connections and physical DNA connections. So as, as long as someone has a genuine a calling and um, to connect with the Greek gods or goddesses, they can do so. And they're the same ones, kind of, to the Roman gods and goddesses because they were appropriated eventually when the Romans took over Greece and the Greek empire fell. They just took the gods and changed the names from Aphrodite to Venus, from Hermes to Mercury. <laughs> Honestly, uh, here, I don't know if it's the same in Cyprus, but um, here in the States, uh, Greek mythology is actually, well, I say mythology, but I don't know if that's the proper term. <laughs> but I, I will tell you about that. Yes, tell me. Yeah. Okay. So Greek mythology is like a standard study, um, mm. which is super strange. Like a whole chunk of our English course is learning Greek mythology because of its connection to poetry and history. And so it's just really interesting to me that you know, we grow up with this vague understanding of it. And then on the other side of the world, there are these people who truly like it's a part of your culture and your belief system, which is why I really want to talk to you. Cause I think so many people here in my end of the world are like, Oh yeah, yeah. That like is old. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, but what, what were you going to say about, um, it's so the term thank, mythology. You, thank you for bringing up the term mythology because part of the propaganda of Christianity Uh, after they took over all the pagan religions and it dominated, was to uh, demonize the Greek gods and turn them into stories that never existed. So even here in Cyprus and in Greece and maybe around the world, when you ask people, like not Mangal, sorry, not not Wuvus, if you ask any Mangal about the Greek gods, they will tell you, oh, it's just stories, it's just mythology. So that is a propaganda that has been going on for years that they did not exist, they were just myths. But there's a a big difference between mythology and theology in Greek religion. Theology informs mythology, but not the other way around. Mm. So the mythology were stories that the ancients created to understand the gods better in more human terms, in more human ways. For example, you're familiar with Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad, 
Yes. Those are epic poems that Homer wrote based on his knowledge and study of theology, of the religion. And he wrote poems and stories to help the masses understand the gods and the goddesses and the religion in a much more playful way. So mm. there's often a confusion between mythology and the theology, thinking, oh, how can the gods be all loving when they killed each other? And <laughs> like, like they didn't, <laughs> because that, that's mythology. You're thinking from the perspective of mythology right now. When you think of the perspective of theology, therefore the gods are functions of the universe, there is no, um, nothing negative about it. There is no strife, there, is no, there are no wars. It's just the way people perceive that. And that's a very important thing to have in mind whenever we're studying any pagan religions, because it's very easy for us to uh, confuse them with the stories that people created about them. Okay. That's, I'm really glad that I brought that up then, because I think one of the things that seems so far-fetched or like removed from people's understanding of mm -hmm. um, true Hellenic polytheism is like, how do you keep up with all of these who's who and who's connected to who and what happened when, um, because there are so many overlapping stories in the mythology that seem very difficult to understand. Yeah. If, you're, if you want to overwhelm yourself with all that and all the names <laughs> and who gave birth to what, check out Hesiod's Theogony. Hesiod was a poet who wrote, who wrote Theogony, which is um, Theo, Theos means God. Theogony, the birth of a god. So it's basically a long poem text explaining, it's a very boring text, who gave birth to whom? Like, like Zeus with that person, they gave birth to these hundred children and list the names. So it is very overwhelming. Ooh, that's so, a lot. <laughs> so again, it's amazing to me right now that um, the ancient poets used to recite all that, like by heart. Like they, they, they knew everything and they were able to like recite it like as a single poem. We can't do this right now. And it's, there's no point of us doing this right now. What, what matters is choosing the kind of energies that we want to bring into our lives and bringing into the self-help space. For example, something very practical. Do you want to manifest love? Do you want to manifest um, more money? Do you want to manifest a better joy, better health? Choose the gods that relate to that and work with them. But not just call upon the gods when you want to manifest something. At the same time, have a yes. daily relationship with the gods mm -hmm. and appreciate them every single day for everything that they're giving us. Thank you, Zeus, for the protection that you're, for the strength and the courage that you give me to go through my life. Thank you, Aphrodite, for reminding me every single day that I am made out of love. Thank you, Hermes, that who, that who allows me to, uh, to being able to communicate clearly with Michael right now. Thank you, Apollo, for guiding uh, my psychic work and ensuring that I, I speak clearly and I receive uh, true intuitive guidance from source. So the gods are part of us. They are flowing with us and through us. They're not something outside of ourselves. So mm. connecting with them is a daily, it's, it's a part of daily life, a constant part of daily life. I love and that. of course, we can work with them more, um, more mindfully when we want to manifest something. And actually, as part of, uh, of my book, Lightworkers Gotta Work, 
Uh, I have a whole section all about building manifestation altars and then carrying out manifestation rituals in the altars where I guide people uh, through the different elements uh, of an effective manifestation altar because they're different from other altars. What kind of gods to choose, how to choose them, and then how to perform a ritual. But something that I want to stress is that the book is not about Hellenic polytheism. It's not about paganism. I leave it open to people's belief systems. So you can work with Mother Mary, you can work with Jesus, you can work with other religions, you can, you can work with ascended masters. I just lay the foundations in the book so that you can take your own belief systems and apply them. Essentially, it's a new age book, just mm. seen from my own perspective, because that's the thing with paganism. It allows you to bring in different belief systems. It doesn't limit you. It's not dogmatic. So it's not like, oh, I don't want to work with angels. Like, if you can, as you can see behind me, those are icons, like Christian icons yeah, of Archangel Michael, Michael. Yeah, Archangel Michael, Archangel Raphael, Archangel um, Gabriel. And interesting about angels, I'm like, because I, I, I worked with them for years. I'm an angel therapist. Like, I trained to, to do that, and I've seen angels perform miracles and do such great healing. And then when I converted, I'm like, what's, what's up with the angels now? Like, what do I do with all this, <laughs> with all this knowledge? Are they real? What's happening here? And then as part of my ancient Greek research, reading the books, I realized that they also talked about the angels. They just had different names about them. Mm. I mean, Raphael is equivalent to Asclepius, which is the ancient Greek god of health. Gabriel is Hermes. Mercury. <laughs> Archangel Michael has a similar energy to, uh, to Zeus. So because they couldn't accept the Greek gods, Christianity just appropriated them to different angels and archangels. And mm. they're essentially the same kind of energies, just with different names. So bringing it back to the book is that the book gives you the, uh, a platform and a framework for you to take your own belief systems and apply them so that you can work your life effectively. Part of the book is about finding your life purpose because that's such an important thing for every life worker because that's how we create change in the world. Right. Then it's all about nurturing your life, therefore nurturing divine feminine energy. Then it's about nurturing, uh, working your life, therefore nurturing divine uh, masculine energy. And then it's about psychic protection, how to protect our light so that we can perform and fulfill our life purpose fully. Perfect. Okay. Well, if um, people want to like learn more about the book or working with you in general, maybe they have more questions about um, Hellenic polytheism, how is the best way for them to get in contact with you? Best way to get in contact with me will be Instagram at George Lizos, that's L-I-Z-O-S. And you can join my Facebook group, Your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook group. And of course, the book is available for pre-order on Amazon. Okay, perfect. Well, before I let you go, and I will be having you back very shortly to talk about some more. Um, before I let you go, if you had to leave everybody with one piece of advice that you've really taken from um, this spiritual path, this new journey that you're on, what do you think that that piece of advice would be? If you're listening right now and you need more muscle energy in your life. I would schedule that muscle energy in your calendar 
every single week, every single month, because your default is to be feminine. And therefore, you need to do some more work to create that masculine energy. If, on the other hand, you're more in your masculine and you need feminine time, then use that masculinity to schedule feminine time. Now, I'm giving you something very practical here because that's something I had to do. Mm-hmm. Because my default is masculine, like work, 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 work until I'm exhausted. So I had to see it every single week, the beginning of the week. Okay, let me schedule some time off. <laughs> let me arrange a road trip with a friend. So that would be a very practical takeaway that everyone can take to ensure that they find this balance between masculine and feminine energy so that you work your light, no, just know your light. Because light worker, you gotta work. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. I personally needed to hear both sides of that. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Me too. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, all right. That was my conversation with George Lizos. Thank you, George, for taking the time to really break down this information and to help people understand some major misconceptions about Hellenic polytheism. I think it's so important, and I'm so happy that we had this chance to chat. If you loved what George had to say today, you are in luck, because next week, George is returning to the show to talk more about another passion of his, and that is, of course, the elementals. That's right, next week we are talking about fairies, unicorns, mermaids, and so much more. So go ahead and make sure that you click subscribe wherever you're listening in from to be sure that you are notified when the newest episode is out. On that note, if you would also like to learn more about George in the meantime, you can find him on Instagram at George Lizos, or you can check out his website, georgelizos.com. All of that information, of course, is in the show notes below. While you're out there perusing social media, take some time to make sure that you're also following me on Instagram at The Divine Your Life. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to share with your friends, your English teachers, your fellow theologians, or whoever else you may come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you. I appreciate you. And until next time, be true, be you, be omnist.